hurry, giving a chance for peace, a place to rest and think about things, even time to think about maybe being married to Ruby. I sent her a wire and told her what I had been thinking. It was from Chicago. I sent Ruby a telegram proposing marriage. Something about his proposal struck me as an offer to save me from myself. I called him and said, Well, okay, but don't do me no favors. It wasn't what you might call a romantic moment. The leading lady closed as soon as it opened, and immediately after, Kanan and Gordon went into rehearsals with the smile of the world. They not only hired me, but they also hired Ruby. I was the manservant, and she was the maid. They asked who you'd want to play the part, remember? And I said, Ruby. I didn't even have to audition. So we were rehearsing the smile of the world, and one Thursday we had the day off. On that day, we went to New Jersey to be married. In Jersey, you could get married in one day. In New York, there was a three-day waiting period. My brother Willie stood up for me. Ruby's sister Laverne stood up for her. Laverne was as beautiful as Ruby was, very lovely, and a lady. We took a bus over to Jersey City, found a Baptist preacher, and went into his study in the church for the ceremony. As he was reading us the rites, he came to the question, Do you, Ossie Davis, take this woman to be your lawful wedded wife? Well, the reverend had big eyes, one of which wandered. One eye was looking at Ruby, and the other one was looking at Ruby's sister. I said, I do, anyway. That was December 9th, 1948. I thought it was a pretty good use of a Thursday. Neither of us recalls clearly the specifics of one of the most important days of our lives. As in a line from the play Ossie would soon write, everything was haze and vague. Our marriage was an insert into an already very busy schedule. We never sat down to talk seriously about what we expected from the marriage or from each other. It was an extension of a relationship that had commenced easily and inauspiciously, almost subconsciously, soon after we met. We had road-tested it with Anna Lucasta. There was no big ceremony, no wedding gown, no church service, no pictures. There had not even been a discussion of where we would live. It felt almost like an appointment we finally got around to keeping. After the I promises and the I do's and the tears, the four of us got on a bus bound from Jersey City back to New York City. Willie and Laverne sat on the bench seat in the back of the bus, and Ossie and I were on the long side bench. I wore a brown suit. Ossie wore a hat and carried his overcoat. There weren't many passengers. For the whole trip, Ossie's body was twisted from the waist as he gazed out of the window. I looked out of the window, too, and then I looked at him, out of the window, and at his pork pie hat, back and forth like that. Neither of us spoke. He didn't look back at me. A kind of low-grade panic came over me. 
So this is it. We are married, related now, connected, forever and ever, maybe. I felt a silence all through me. The bus was moving, but there was no sound. As long as you both shall live. Maybe this is what forever feels like. Maybe I was just hungry. All of us should be hungry. It had been a long day, even though it was just afternoon. We ate at a restaurant near my sister's apartment. After the meal, Willie offered to see Laverne home. As we said our goodbyes, Laverne asked, Where will you guys be living? I didn't recall having discussed it, but he answered without hesitation. At my place in the Bronx. Oh, yes, she said, I've got that number. And we hugged and kissed and went our separate ways. There had been confusion in my mind. I had wanted him to come live with me at my mother's apartment because his room in the Bronx seemed always in total disarray. When I first saw it, I thought of the Collier brothers who lived and were found dead in the middle of unspeakable clutter. When I visited Arcee, he would have to clear spaces for me to sit and put my things on. Newspapers, books, magazines, toilet articles, clothes, orange peelings were everywhere. The space was not dusty or dirty, as I recall, only extremely cluttered. He was able to put his hand so precisely on anything he wanted to show or to read to me, however, that it occurred to me that the disorder I beheld was planned deliberately. We went by taxi to Mother's place, where I packed a few things. He understood that there just simply hadn't been time to properly move with rehearsals every day and so much going on in both our lives. We had talked about getting an apartment, but we'd soon be traveling with the smile of the world, and that could last a long time. I said to myself, how could you think?